Good morning. Uh, my name is Jonas Larkin. If we have never met, uh, I am pastor over at our South Wilson campus on the north side of town. And I don't think I've been here yet this year. So happy new year. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. How are your new year's resolutions going? All right. Hey, one of the things I like to do whenever I'm here is just kind of give you a a little bit of snapshot of kind of what's going on on the north side of town, because I know you don't get to see it all the time. And so um, just, just a couple of things that come to mind is, uh, within the last few weeks anyways, is back uh, the, on Palm Sunday weekend, we had community Easter egg hunt at uh, South Wilson. If you've never been to South Wilson, holds comfortably about 200-ish people. Uh, so we had about three to 400 people there that day. Um, it was every bit as chaotic as it sounds. Some of you know because you were there serving. Uh, so, but I want to say thank you for that uh, because that was a, a really cool outreach opportunity uh, for us. And we've invited a lot of those children back for Vacation Bible School uh, here in a couple weeks. So we're excited about that. Um, then a couple weeks after that, we had a baptism Sunday uh, in which we baptized six different people. Uh, we had four kids. Yeah, okay, there we go. Um, we had four kids, one teenager, one young adult, and so uh, that was a fun day of, of celebrating with the church family. Uh, and then lastly, um, as you know, hopefully, VBS is just a couple, actually not even a couple weeks away, like a week-ish away, and uh, I guess I need to get ready for it. Um, about a week away, and as of right now at South Wilson, we've got hovering around 50 or so kids pre-registered. Um, so we're excited about that. And what excites me about that is not just the number, but the fact that of those 50 or so kids registered, I don't know most of them. So that's encouraging, right? That's encouraging. So we're, uh, we're excited about that. And um, what, what I would invite you to pray for is man, that, that we would be able to leverage these events, leverage these opportunities uh, as we meet new faces and new families, that we would establish relationships, conversations, uh, that it wouldn't just be kind of a a one-week thing, but that this would, this would create some momentum for us. So if you would pray to that end, we would appreciate that. Uh, one last thing, and then we'll move on to the sermon. Uh, man, I just, anytime I think about kind of the, uh, just the dynamic of being uh, one church, two locations, you know, here, north side of town, uh, what comes to mind to me is Paul's words in Philippians 4. Um, it's actually right after so last week, Paul, or Paul, goodness, last week Scott preached on Philippians 4.13. Right after that, Paul commends the church in Philippi for their partnership in the gospel. And he writes to them, he says, hey, thank you for uh, entering into a partnership, for your for giving, uh, for your generosity. Uh, and so I want to commend you uh, for your generosity and your giving and your faithfulness and your prayers. Uh, because really, the reality is, Right. You don't get to see every week what happens up on the north side of town. Um, and yet you still give and you still pray. And there's fruit that you may not get to see in person. Uh, and if I'm reading the Bible correctly, that's fruit that increases to your credit. And so I just want to commend you for that. I want to thank you for that. Uh, and just, I mean, just, to, just to say that that, that is such a selfless, like, kingdom-minded mentality. Uh, that I'm really grateful for. So with that said, if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 15. It's 
where we're going to be at this morning. Um, if you weren't here last week, we started a new series called This Verse Changed My Life. Uh, and so I think the kind of the premise of the sermon series is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, but do you have any idea how hard it is for someone who preaches to pick one verse that changed their life? Right, that is... That is like, I mean, listen, I preach the Bible for a living, right? You have generously given so that I can preach, okay? Uh, I, like I get paid to do what I'm doing right now, which prompted the folks at South Wilson last week to say, is there a chance you get paid by the length of your sermon? <laughs> and at first, like I was offended, but I was like, I don't know, maybe I should talk to the personnel team about that, okay? Um, I haven't heard back on that email yet. I'll let you know how that goes. Anyways, so like trying to nail down a single verse for me is like sending a kid into a candy shop and like you get one thing, okay? Um, so what I have done uh, this week is true to form, I've taken some liberties and I, I don't have just one verse, I've got four verses, but these four verses fit together as part of one passage, okay? And so I would say the reason I chose these four verses is just because I think they have sort of subtly shaped me both personally and pastorally uh, really over the last decade or so, uh, 10, almost 11 years in ministry. And so uh, with that said, let's get after it. First Corinthians 15. Um, let me give you some context because context is important. If you were here last week, hopefully you caught on to that. Um, 1 Corinthians is a letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth. It is his first recorded letter written to the church in Corinth. Fun fact is uh, what we know from reading 1 Corinthians, it's not the first letter that Paul actually sent to the Corinthian church. Right? He references in 1 Corinthians a letter before this one, um, but uh, as we'll see in just a minute, the church in Corinth had so much like, I mean, they, they had some issues, right? A little bit of a dumpster fire in Corinth. Uh, and so uh, while this is what we call 1 Corinthians, there was a letter before it, and I just think, like, we don't know why we don't have record of that. It was lost to antiquity, maybe because God was like, listen, you guys are a mess. Nobody else needs to see that. Right? The church, 2,000 years from now, they don't need any ideas. Right? They'll struggle enough on their own. Okay, so what we have, this letter, actually, Paul, at least his second letter to the church in Corinth, um, and uh, as I mentioned, the church in Corinth had some issues, right? They, they were not a perfect church, right? No church is a perfect church, but uh, the church in Corinth was not a perfect church. And so for all this talk about, like, let's get back to the church in the, the first century, I'm like, I, it's here, and it doesn't look all that clean or sterile, right? Paul writes this letter, uh, and, and in, throughout the duration of Corinthians, he addresses a wide variety of things. Right? Everything from division, uh, disagreement. He writes about uh, the kind of immorality that in Paul's own words, he says that pagans would be like, that's gross, don't do that. Okay? Uh, he writes about uh, spiritual gifts and their role in the church, including those that like, make Baptist folk uncomfortable. Right? And he writes about all kinds of stuff. And then he gets to 1 Corinthians uh, 15. And, and in context, what Paul's going to do beginning here and, and throughout the rest of Corinthians 15 is he's addressing a group of believers that, uh, that did not believe in the physical bodily resurrection. Okay, they believed 
they, they believed something, but they fell short in that they didn't believe in the bodily resurrection of, of believers. And so Paul's going to go on and he's going to uh, address that. But, and, and so what I want to do is I'm going to, we're going to focus on the first four verses that Paul uses as the foundation for his argument. Okay, now listen, I'm not trying to convince you of the bodily resurrection this morning. I hope you believe that. Uh, if not, we can set up a time after this to talk. Uh, but again, what I want you to see is, is the foundation that, that Paul's going to use to make his argument. So if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you. Pause. Now you know why the folks at South Wilson were like, do you get paid by the length of your sermon, right? Right? But here's what we see. We're not even making it to the first sentence yet. And this, sen- this clause, not even a sentence, is loaded with meaning. Right? It's packed with significance. And there's three significant words here that really are going to sort of shape like all of our time together this morning. Three words. Remind, brothers, and the gospel. Right, remind brothers in the gospel. So we're going to kind of focus in on those words, but I want to start with the last word and we'll work backwards, right? The word gospel. If you jump down to verse three, this is what Paul, he kind of gives this sort of really brief, succinct summary of the gospel. He says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and then he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. All right, from here, Paul's going to launch off and he's going to talk about all the people that Jesus appeared to after he was resurrected. Because again, Paul's going to go on and make the point that there is a literal, physical, bodily resurrection. Okay? But, but here, what I want you to see uh, in verses 3 and 4 is we have the, sort of the essence, the essential components of the gospel message. Right? That Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried... And then he rose again. This is the good news of the gospel. Before anything else, the gospel is an announcement. Right? It's news. The gospel is not something that you do. It is, it is news to be believed. And here's the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Now, can we add some explanation to that to help people understand it more fully? Sure. Right? Can we talk about the implications of that on our lives and how we live differently because of it? Yes, and we should. Right? But at its core, this is the gospel. It tells us that we have a problem, which is our sin, that Jesus died for our sin. Right? He, that is the solution to our problem, that, that Jesus died for our sin, that he rose, or that he was buried, and that he, he rose again. So that leads me to my first point this morning, right? which is that the gospel saves us. Right, or maybe uh, a more articulate way to say it is that belief in the gospel saves us. Right, that's why Paul says in verse 3 that this message, this gospel, is of first importance. Right, it is the most important thing. There is nothing else more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's belief, trust in the gospel that saves you. Right, it's not good behavior that saves you. It's not uh, church attendance that saves you. It's not the faith of your parents that saves you. It's not the fact that your grandpa was a deacon that saves you. It's not being a registered Republican that saves you. Right? You are saved 
from sin by trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ, period. That is the gospel message. It is of first importance is what Paul says. And so really, let's back up. Before any Bible verse changes your life, the gospel changes your life. And you can read Bible verses till you're blue in the face, but until you believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it doesn't matter how many Bible verses you read. Now, those Bible verses can lead you to the gospel, right? But it's the gospel that, that changes us, transforms us. And so and it, here's what belief in the gospel does. It, it moves us from being a child of wrath, that's what Paul would say, to being a child of God. Right, from being dead in our sins and the trespasses in which we once walked to being alive in Christ. From being hopeless to being hopeful. Right, from being condemned to eternal punishment to being saved and promised eternal joy in the presence of God. This is the good news that the gospel offers us. If we believe. And so if you're here this morning and you never trusted in Jesus, you never believed the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again, that is of first importance for you. Now, you don't hear anything else this morning. Like, that's what you need to hear, and that's what you have to respond to, to be promised the eternal life that Jesus gives. Now, we're in church. Here's what I know. Many of you hear this, and you're like, Got it, Pastor. Right, I've been uh, I've been saved longer than you've been alive, which is thirty five, almost thirty six years, which I learned as of yesterday is old enough to hurt yourself trying to crawl under a garage door. Right? <laughs> I was literally not kidding. I was literally over here stretching before my sermon because I pulled something trying to squat under the garage door. Anyways, age is rough, man. Age is rough. Anyways. So maybe you're like, yeah, I, okay, gospel, got it. I believe it. I'm in, right? I've believed it for a long time. What do you have for me? Well, I would just point you back to the text, right? Because let's look at verse one again. Paul says, now I would remind you, brothers. The brothers here, brothers and sisters by implication, believers, people who have heard the gospel, who have responded to the gospel, who've put their trust in Jesus Christ. So really what Paul's saying here is, I would remind you of the gospel that you already believe. Right? Or the, or the word that Paul uses here, translated, it's translated here as remind, it's translated elsewhere in the Bible as um, make known. So it's almost as, it really could be translated as Paul saying, hey, I would make known to you the gospel that you've already believed. Right? Now, does that strike you as odd? Does it strike you as odd that Paul would write this letter to the church? So these are believers, people that have already believed the good news of Jesus Christ. And he would say, hey, I want to remind you of something. Remember that gospel you believed? Yeah, I want to remind you about that. And at first, maybe that strikes us as odd, right? But it shouldn't because if we're familiar with the New Testament, uh, when Paul writes these letters to these churches... To churches, believers, Paul starts most, not all of his letters, but most of these letters to churches by reminding them of the gospel. Right, you look at 
Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, not so much. It's a little different. Galatians, actually, he writes to the church in uh, Galatia because they had departed from the gospel. And so normally Paul writes his letters and he starts off with something like, hey, grace and peace to you. Love you guys. Praying for you. You guys are awesome. Uh, the church in Galatia had kind of departed from the gospel. And so he writes a letter to them. and He's like, hey, grace and peace to you. What the heck are you doing? I'm serious. You can look it up. That's what he, that's what he writes. Right? But Paul writes the gospel, preaches the gospel to believers. Doesn't that strike you as strange? Right? We, when we think of the gospel, a lot of times we think of like, that's for people out there. That's for people that don't know Jesus. That's for the people that aren't saved. That's for the heathen folk. People don't talk like that anymore. I don't know why I said that. Right? When we think of the gospel, we think of it being for, for just people outside of these walls. And it is. It is for people outside of these walls. Right? Paul preached the gospel to people who didn't believe. That's how these churches got started in the first place. But what Paul would do is he would receive some correspondence about what was going on in these churches, and he would write back to them. And his counsel to them almost always started with, hey, remember the gospel. Remember the gospel because, this is my second point, not only does the gospel save us, the gospel strengthens us. Gospel strengthens us. Look at verse 1 again. Back to it. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you. So that's what we just covered. But lean, lean in for this part. Which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Right now, I know school's out. So we're going to do a little grammar lesson here. Kids, you guys know grammar? We're going to work on our tenses, okay? And let's be honest, right? We could all use a little grammar lesson, right? I've seen some of your text messages and your emails. It'll be all right. All right. So let's look at it again. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, which is past tense. Very good. In which you stand... Present. I'm going to warn you, the next one's tricky. It's not future. And by which you are being saved. I'll help you out. Something called present progressive or present continuous. Okay? Now, now why does all that matter? Right, why the grammar lesson at church on a Sunday morning? Right, because, catch this, Paul is saying the gospel is good news for your Past sins. Praise the Lord. Anybody got a past? Show of hands. Get them up like you're not Baptist. There you go. All right. Yeah. The gospel is good news for your past sins. Right? The gospel is good news for your present. I won't make you raise your hands, but anybody got a present? Yeah. Right? The gospel is good news for your past sins, good news for your present sins, but catch this. The gospel is also good news for your future. Right, by which you are being saved. Present progressive. It's just, it means an act that started and is continuing and will continue. Right? The gospel is good news for your past. It's good news for your present. It's good news for your future. And when I say future, I don't mean just like the day you step into glory future. I mean, it is good news for that. And you won't step into glory apart from belief in the gospel. But I'm talking about, like, when I say future, I'm talking about from this moment 
until the day you step into God's presence. The, God news will, the, the gospel is good news for that space. Right? And, and, and here's the implication from Paul. Writing to believers, saying, remember the gospel. Here's the implication. You do not graduate from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? At, at no point do you get to be like, gospel, got it, put that on the back seat, right? Let me move on to some of this other stuff. Let's talk about eschatology and end times and get into the deep stuff, spiritual gifts. I'm not saying this stuff's not important. I'm just saying like the gospel is of first importance. Right? You, don't, you don't move past it. You, you don't graduate from it. There, there's never a point where you're like, I don't need that anymore. I've got, I've got other stuff to, to dive into. Right? The gospel is not just for evangelism and salvation. It is for that. It's essential for that. The gospel is also for discipleship, sanctification, spiritual growth, and maturity. Right? Here's how uh, Tim Keller says it. Tim Keller uh, passed away a few weeks ago. This is brilliant mind, pastor, author, theologian up in New York City. I've heard other people talking about him as kind of being like uh, the Christian Yoda, sort of, that lands on you. Um, here's, what, here's what he wrote. He says, the gospel is not just the ABCs, but the A to Z of the Christian life. It is inaccurate to think the gospel is what saves non-Christians and then Christians mature by trying hard to live according to biblical principles. It is more accurate to say that we are saved by believing the gospel and then we are transformed in every part of our minds and our hearts and our lives by believing the gospel more and more deeply as life goes on. Now that sounds wise, sounds very Yoda-like, right? sounds amazing. What do you do with that? Okay. And so a couple years ago, I read an article that was titled, Why Christians Need to Hear the Gospel Every Day. Right? And I saved it because I was like, I'm probably going to need that at some point in the future. Thankfully, I can use it here. Right? Here's, here's some of the things the article said with, with some extra commentary. Here's reasons why Christians need to hear the gospel every day. We need to hear the gospel to move us toward praise and thanksgiving. Right? There is nothing that should elicit more gratitude and praise and worship from us as God's people than being reminded of what God has done for us. And if you can't be grateful that the God of the universe saved you from your sin and eternal punishment, then like I don't know what to do for you. Okay? There's another one. We need to hear the gospel to remind us of our identity in Christ. Right? We are so prone to find our identity in any number of temporary things, fleeting things. Right? I find our identity in our career and our families and our reputations and our titles and our bank accounts. And, right? The gospel reminds us that that no matter what comes in life, right, no matter 
And you strip my career away from me. You strip my family away from me. You, uh, my bank account hits zero. That my identity doesn't change because my identity is not rooted in something fleeting and temporary. My identity is rooted in what Christ says about me, what Christ has done for me. That's the good news of the gospel. You, your identity as a Christian is an adopted son or daughter of the God of the universe. There ain't nothing in this world that can change that. And the gospel reminds us of that, right? The good news of the gospel is that your identity isn't found in what you've done, but in what Christ has done for you, right? We need to hear the gospel to sustain our weary souls. Anybody just get tired? Right? Anybody would be like, man, life is hard. I've had a really easy life. I've been spoiled most of my life. And even I know enough to know, like, life's not always awesome. We get tired, we get weak, we get weary, we get anxious, frustrated. Right? And, and the gospel reminds us that, man, that, that, that we have hope no matter what the circumstances of life look like. Right? Because of what Christ has done for us, because of our identity in Christ, we have hope. So that when we go through uh, man, seasons of uh, just the lean seasons or the seasons of struggle or challenge or doubt, right? we, we, don't, we can go through it unwavering because the gospel gives us hope that this life will not always be the way that it currently is. We need to hear the gospel to keep us from sin. Right, I'm, I'm convinced that one of the ways to, to flee sin is not to just like try really hard not to sin. Right, but to look and consider and be reminded of the great links that God went to to pay for your sin. He gave up his own son to satisfy his wrath toward your sin. Right? Jesus beaten, bloodied, murdered, hung on a cross for your sin. Like that should sober us to the reality, like to the, to the devastating consequences of sin. And so we need the gospel to keep us from sin. Right? We need to hear the gospel to keep us from despair. And one of the greatest truths of the gospel is Romans 8.1, that there is now no condemnation, none, for those that are in Christ Jesus. Right? There's no condemnation. There's, just, there's like this weird thing that happens, from my experience, maybe it's just me, weird thing that happens like as you sort of grow and mature in the Christian life uh, is that you realize like you're not as well put together as you thought you were. Anybody ever had that happen? Anybody ever like, like you're sitting here and I don't know where you are in life where you're like, I thought I would have been further along by now. Right? That's kind of what the Christian life is. It's weird. It's like this weird sort of discombobulating thing where like as you get more mature and you grow, you realize how immature you still are. Right? And, and the reality is, it's like in those moments when you realize like, man, I've got a long way to go or I can't believe I blew it again or you look ahead and there's those moments in the future when you blow it again. The gospel is good news. 
right? To know that all of my sin, past, present, future, is fully paid for by Jesus Christ. Right? That keeps me from just giving myself over to despair. Like, I can't believe I'm not further along than I am. The gospel frees me up to realize, like, man, I'll never be perfect on this side of eternity. I'm going to blow it a lot between here and glory. Right? And the gospel's good news keep us from despair. And then here's, and we need to hear the gospel to destroy our pride. Right? To destroy our pride, to crush it. Because, like, we... And we love, I don't know if it's like the social media world we live in, um, but we love to give off this idea that we have just got it all together, that we're just killing it, right? That we're awesome. And then the gospel just outs us, right? The gospel, the very uh, reality that God had to send his son to the cross to die for our sins because we couldn't pay for our own sins ourselves, it kind of outs us, right? Like, we're not that awesome. In fact, we're kind of terrible. It's really what the gospel, it's kind of what it points us to. Right? We're, the gospel reminds us that we're not awesome, we don't have it all together, we're not good enough, we'll never be enough. But that Jesus was good enough for us. Right? And because Jesus is sufficient, because his life, death, resurrection Sufficient, we're free to drop the facade like we've got it all together all the time. And, and man, I'm telling you, that is a liberating thing. Right? And I'm telling you, that's, that's where the Lord does some work. When we're just free to be like, I, am, I do not have it all together. I need some help. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I know we could, we could go on for a while. Right, but for all these reasons and more, like we need to be reminded, rooted in the good news of the gospel. Right? Whether you've been a Christian for 15 minutes, 50 years, you still need the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? It's good news for evangelism and salvation. It's good news for discipleship, sanctification. You do not graduate from it. You do not grow past it. You grow deeper and deeper into it. And live out gospel implications in your life as you grow in it year after year after year after year. Because it's the gospel that strengthens and sustains us. All right, so I want to give you some application points this morning before we sort of land the plane. Right? First one, first one will be a little different than the rest. So the first is this. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ uh, one, I hope you feel welcome here. I hope you feel wanted here. I hope you come back here. But, but here's first application point specifically for you. Repent and believe the gospel. Right? If you're here and you're, you're not a believer, your first action before anything else is to turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Right? Really, the, the remaining Three points after this mean nothing to you if, if this is not something that you've done. Right? Repent and believe the gospel. And so if you'd like to do that man, here in just a minute, the band's going to come. They're going to lead us in a song. It'll be a time for you to come and talk. If you want to catch up after service, we can catch up after service. But that is application number one if you're here and you're not a believer. Repent, believe the gospel. Now here's the, for the rest of us here. 
Or if you're here and you are a Christian, you're a believer, trusting in Jesus Christ, not perfect, but striving day after day. Here's three application points for you. Here's the first one. Remember the gospel. Throughout the Bible, one of the ways that that God uh, encourages his people towards faithfulness is to remind them often of, of how he has worked to save them. And you read in the Old Testament, you think about uh, the Israelites being enslaved in Egypt, and how God led them out of slavery. And, and you kind of, if you read through the Old Testament over and over and over again, what you get is, is God pointing back to that. Like, hey, remember how I worked to save you. Remember what I did to free you. Remember how I brought you out of slavery. Right? He gives them songs to sing to remind them of it. He tells them to teach it to their children so that their children would know, but also so that by reciting it, that they would be reminded of it. He tells them to set up altars and things to remind them of how God has saved his people. And so I just, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that one of the ways that we'll walk in greater faithfulness is just remembering what God has done to save us. By returning to it often, by reading about it in the word, by singing about it with the saints every Sunday, right? by hearing it preached every Sunday. Right? Remember, remember the gospel. Right? But here's second. Right? Rest in the gospel. I've always been struck. John 15. I've always been struck by how Jesus, he's talking to his disciples and uh, he, he's kind of explaining to them how they are to, to grow and to bear fruit as his disciples. And, and I don't know if you know it, but there's one word he says over and over and over again. It's like, hey, you want to bear fruit? You want to, be, uh, you want to mature and grow as a disciple? Here's what you need to do. Not work harder. Not be better. Not pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. There's one word he repeats at least ten times, maybe more in that passage. Abide. Remain. Stay. Rest. It's just, it's like a, feels like an oxymoron that the way to grow and, and bear fruit is to just rest. And yet that's exactly what Jesus says. Right, so I just say you rest in the gospel, right, rest in the good news. That Jesus has done all that is required to save you from the penalty of your sin. Right now, we live differently because of it, but we don't add anything to it. It's, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so we rest in that. We, we like take Jesus at his word when he was hanging on the cross and he said, It is finished. It's like, okay, it's actually finished. All that's left for me to do is receive it by faith and rest in it. That's that's what the gospel gives to us. So remember the gospel, rest in the gospel, and then finally, repeat the gospel. Repeat the gospel. Look at verse 3. One last time. Paul says, For I delivered to you as the first importance what I also received. 
In other words, Paul is the deliverer of a message that he first received. He is a conduit of the gospel to the church in Corinth. The gospel came to him on its way to them. I've heard, uh, I think it was Robbie Gallaty who wrote once, that the gospel comes to you on its way to somebody else. And so if the gospel really is of first importance, and it is, and if the gospel really is what saves us and strengthens us, and it is, then it's worth repeating to other people. It's worth repeating to others that they might hear and receive and respond to and rest in the same gospel that we have. It's worth repeating to those who do not know Jesus yet, who've never trusted in Jesus, who've never repented and believed the gospel. Of course we want to, we want to repeat the gospel to those people. Okay? But it's also, it's also for us to repeat to those who do know. People who need to be reminded of the same gospel that we need to be reminded of. Right? So, so who and who has the Lord placed in your sort of sphere of influence that needs to hear the gospel? Whether for the first time or maybe just to be reminded of it all over again. The, the Lord has put you where you are for a reason, right? You're, you're where you are on purpose for a purpose. Your, your workplace, your schools, your neighborhoods, some of you even in your homes, your families. There's people around you that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and, and you're God's plan A for that. And there is no plan B. So who do you need to repeat the gospel to this week? All right. So I'm going to leave you with these words one more time. Not because you don't know them, because as Paul said, this is just good for us to be reminded of. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day. The gospel saves you. The gospel strengthens you. Remember it. Rest in it. Repeat it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning uh, grateful. Lord, for the, just grateful for the good news of the gospel. So Father, I pray this morning uh, that if, if there's one here in this room that can hear my voice this morning that's never repented and believed the good news of the gospel. They've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would prompt them toward that this morning. You'd give them the courage and the boldness to, um, and to, to do something really vulnerable and say, I, I don't know if I've ever really done this or not. Or would you, would you help them to step into that? Give them uh, kind of the, the nudge to respond in faith. And then, Father, what I suspect are the many more in this room that 
that we have believed the good news of Jesus. I just pray that it would fall fresh on us this morning. I pray that we would remember what you've done for us. Lord, that that the significance of our sin would be, uh, it would weigh heavy on us again. And that, that right in behind that, like the significance of your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your goodness to save us from our sin. Father, I pray that it would wash over us this morning. For those here this morning that, and maybe they believe the gospel and they're just kind of believing that it's up to them to kind of keep it together, I pray that you would help them to rest in the gospel this morning. Would you encourage their hearts by reminding them that that all that needs to be done to accomplish their salvation has been done. So they're free to receive it and to rest in it this morning. And then, Father, would you help us to or to, to consider who needs to hear the gospel? Who do we need to repeat it to? For some of us, maybe our own children, maybe our, our spouses, our neighbors, our co-workers. Um, Father, the, the people that are in the the places and spaces that we live and work and play, would you give us fresh eyes to see how we might share the gospel with them, both to those who have never heard or never trusted, but also to those who are just like us and just need to be reminded, need to be encouraged by it. So Father, I pray that you would move in this moment as you you always do. Trust your spirit to prompt and guide and convict and challenge Um, So, Lord, we just pray that you would have your way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.